John of All Trades podcast episode 337. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, I invite back an old friend. She's been on this show before, and I just looked it up. How weird is this? It was exactly 300 episodes ago. Kirsty Bryan was my guest on episode 37. She is now the guest on episode 337. I did not plan that. That is just beyond serendipity, and I'm happy to bring it to you now. Here's the deal. Here's why we did this. Kirsty recently had a big role in Tales of the Walking Dead. I've seen her do press all over the country, all different types of press, whether it's print or podcasts or whatever. And I knew she was around. I knew she was promoting stuff. And it's because she is releasing her short film, Egg Party to the Public. Now, Egg Party is a short film about a group of women who get together, and they're all dying eggs. It takes place right around Easter. But they're all dealing with, let's call it fertility and maternity issues. They're considering their futures, whether they want to have kids. Maybe some women are freezing their eggs. Maybe some women have had miscarriages. Maybe some women don't want kids at all. But it's their choice. And the story follows these six women. It's like 10 minutes long. But you get a really clear portrait of them in this 10 minutes. The movie is funny, it's got a very light touch, but it's heartfelt. I was weeping by the end, because as someone who has gone through infertility, I can tell you that it is brutal, it is gut-wrenching. So to see it portrayed with such nuance and such grace was very, very moving. Plus, it's just good. Like, the performances are universally amazing, the visual palette is really fun, the score is beautiful, I cannot recommend it highly enough. So, I reached out to Kirsty. I said, hey... I want to help promote Egg Party. You know, let's build off this Walking Dead. Let me use my limited sphere here to try and elevate things as best I can. And let's see if we can get some additional juice here. She said, great, I'm actually in town. Let's go do this in person. I go, fantastic. And in this conversation, yes, we talk about The Walking Dead and her role opposite Terry Crews, which was really fun. We talk about Egg Party and we talk about infertility. And we spend a long time talking about the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Now... I put that right up front just so I'm not selling you a bill of goods here and not getting you into something that you're not prepared for. Go into this with your eyes open. We talk about some heavy political stuff, and I am unashamed about that because as I note in this episode, if the moment calls for you to be political and you choose not to be political, that in itself is a political choice, and it is one for the status quo. If you just choose to remain silent, if you feel otherwise, if you don't want to contribute your voice and you disagree with whatever's going on, you have just made it easier for the status quo to persevere and to get stronger. Just put that right up front. Now, here's the other thing. Christy and I are great friends. We go back a long way. We talk about any and everything together. And we frequently disagree with each other. In this particular case, we happen to agree with each other a whole lot more than we disagree. But I encourage you, wherever you are, to engage in these conversations. Do not shy away from them because there is too much at stake. No matter what you believe, just engage with people who disagree with you once in a while. It doesn't even have to be all the time. 
but entertain what they're saying. Doesn't mean you have to adopt their view. Doesn't mean you have to make that mindset your own. But hearing things that challenge us is very important and a great, great thing to do. So, Kirsty Bryan, one of my favorite people, an incredibly talented actress, made a beautiful film in Egg Party, crushed it on her role on Tales of the Walking Dead, and I could not be more thrilled to show off her work for you once again, 300 episodes after I did it the first time. Amazing serendipity. Now, a couple of programming notes. One, John of All Trades, after this episode, is going down to twice a month. That's kind of been a long time coming. I think you can see the writing on the wall, but we're going down to twice a month. And secondly, one of the reasons for that, Happy Friday. That is my new project that I launched with Kevin Batstone and Arthur Raw. You know them better from the Discussion Combustion podcast. But every Friday, we're bringing you a high-energy, good-vibe show where we're talking about things going on around Denver, news of the week, getting in some playful arguments, and basically just trying to kick off your weekend in a fun way. That show is a ton of work. I'm thrilled to bring it to you, but I still love this content. I still love this format. I'm going to continue to bring this show to you. But now that I have these two children, I need to dedicate some more time to one. This one is going down to twice a month. So thank you for your support. I adore you. Follow Happy Friday on social. It's Happy Friday Den on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's available on Podcatchers Everywhere. New episodes drop every single Friday. Now then, let's get to episode 337 of the John of All Trades podcast with Kirsty Bryan. We're talking about Tales of the Walking Dead. We're talking about Egg Party. We're talking about reproductive rights. And basically, we're catching up as old friends. You're going to love it. Number 337, Kirsty Bryan starts right now. You know, Golden's become like, like this swanky, swanky experience, yeah. but like that was the tiniest little town. It's very hard to explain to folks that like didn't grow up in Colorado mm-hmm. that Golden <laughs> was like not the place to be. No, do you remember? Like, <laughs> there was like not a restaurant. There was nothing. I always tell people like, and they're always surprised by this, but like our high school was surrounded on like two sides by trailer parks. Oh yeah, and then backed up to like the Juvie Hall. Uh, that juvie hall remains. By yeah. the way, that's been around since the 1900s. <laughs> there's a great now Something little to be proud gold, of. golden museum, <clears throat> and there's a. It was like known as like the youth kind of jail or something. And yeah. so there's like a like a 1905 like like Jiminy something you know ran away from the the old old you know the bad boy right, right. school yeah yeah like he stole a nickel from the uh, pharmacy oh yeah he's, also, to, he's to, to get a phosphate he's still on the run and they made him do 30 days in the juvenile <laughs> hall like yeah no that's like the kind yeah. of town we grew up in but yeah. uh it's yeah. it's always funny to me when like this is kind of off topic but like nimby shit when people are like you know i don't want this in my backyard right oh yeah yeah so not in my backyard and i'm like i grew up in a town with at least three prisons in it yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's like really not that it's big a deal. It's funny you bring that up because Golden, you know, we went to the, the Methodist church all our lives and I'm not a religious human, but I mean, I'm a spiritual human. Let's get there. Right. Um, but, you know, my family is very active there and they, uh, the United Methodist Church is the only church in Golden that has allowed homeless meals. Oh, wow. And it's kind of become a little bit of a, a flashpoint for the community because every mm. other church, synagogue, and temple has voted no to having like homeless meals in in. I, don't quote me on that. Let's, yeah, well, let's cut that. But, but it's like the truth is, is like it's it's interesting 
that they don't they just don't want it in their backyard right now. Yeah, I think that's going on a lot. And what we're talking about essentially is gentrification. Yeah, which is a very tough word because there are some benefits to it, but you end up displacing a lot of legacy people. Mm-hmm. And you almost try to sweep under the rug the problems that, that could be solved through other means that basically you're just painting over with money. Yeah. Yeah. And gentrification, I think what's interesting is, you know, I live in New York City now, so gentrification often means the white people are coming. Right. But yeah, I think I think in Colorado and in many places it means the rich people are coming. Oh yeah. And so when in at Golden High we had when I we grew up, there were folks that lived in trailer parks and also folks that had like really big mountain homes. Oh, and all so, the Genesee kids, yeah, yeah. It was truly we had that was that was our diversity. Our diversity was was financial. Yeah, it was not racial in Golden. I'm gonna say uh, no. Yeah, no, uh, very <laughs> much no. So it's so funny because this is Kirsty Bryan. You were a guest early in this show's run. Like what? Like double digits, right? I have believed in this show all this time. <laughs> and uh, now you're back and we're going to talk about Egg Party. We'll probably talk Walking Dead a little bit. But when we get going, you and I are both engaged in so much. It's like we hung out last week because we right. can just start rattling off about gentrification and whatever. And what's funny is, first of all, I have to say this. You are the queen of having me watch shows that I otherwise don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I watched an episode of Drop Dead Gorgeous because you were on it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, I watched an episode of Elementary because you were on it. Um, although you got killed, like, in the first I know. Know, like five minutes. That, that my, fa- my father likes to say that <laughs> all the time. It's like, she only plays dead bodies. <laughs> On TV. I've, I've heard that's like a rite of passage, though, for New York actors, right? Like, go get killed on an episode of CSI or something. Right? Just get anything, truly, <laughs> on anything. That's, totally. that's it. Yeah. So you are the queen of shows that I don't normally watch, but I tune in when you're on, mm-hmm. just because we're such pals. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen you do a ton of press now for your role on Tales of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love is you are not afraid to go political with it. Like, immediately, you'll just start talking about whatever it is that's on your mind has that been weird with interviewers uh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> john it's uh, john it's been a little weird well it's interesting because, because they're probably not expecting that they're are they? not expecting it but i mean there's something some really critical things happening right now you don't say go on uh just saying like i'm i have many concerns but i'm deeply concerned right now about the overturn of roe oh sure um yeah. and uh how that's affecting women and families really i mean affecting everyone one person i was in an interview and like i think he started out as like light 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 ball questions oh yeah yeah and then when i answered he was like oh i'm so sorry i thought you were just a starlet from la i i'm going to have to <laughs> rethink my questions just a sec and i was like no no problem and then so he like starts like and then we like went in yeah, because like he had like come up with like some funny zombie questions sure. questionnaire, and, and then we really ended up having like a very like meaningful conversation. But yeah. I think I think like it's a little like they're like oh god, what? they're like oh I actually have to work today. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh we're we're talking we're talking yeah. about something today. This, this is not just some you know dipshit pretty face here, <laughs> <laughs> like because I mean I've known you you've always challenged me from the time we met in high school where you were always engaging with the world in a way that 
at the time I wasn't even necessarily ready for, but I would go home and I would think about it. And I'm like, God damn, I think Kirsty was right about that. Man, that's annoying. I'm like, not always right. No, I I'm know always that, but... happy to like like be questioned. That's that's why yeah. we're always so like good together when we start chatting. Yeah, we kind of can explore the because I'm not afraid to be wrong either. I don't care if I'm wrong. Like I just want us all to be better. Yeah, let's just get better. Yeah, I mean, I think right now we're at a point where leaders can't receive new information. Yeah, and make a different choice. So like everybody's kind of locked into their their stance and regardless of new information new data saying oh by the way this could be also right or more right i think that's where wisdom lives is saying i'm learning and you know how can we grow yeah so i'm hopeful we can get more and more flexible yeah i i'm increasingly frustrated by that too And the other thing that bothers me is just the way people will dig in. In the face of new information, it's not like, oh, perhaps I was mistaken about this. But, oh, this is an affront to who I am as a person. It's like, no, it isn't. And it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Like, I love hanging out with people that I don't agree with all the time. Like, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that, that, that means something. It's your personal algorithm where you're just like, I like, I like to say, if you don't agree with me, I cut you out of my sphere. It was interesting because we just I just went to my reunion here and I met a lot of friends that we now politically disagree mm-hmm. but we all came from the same background and it was really wonderful to have conversations full conversations with people and it was really like like awesome yeah. because I don't know if we shifted each other's thoughts on the last man who happened to hold the office of the presidency ah, but yes. you know like <laughs> I think we were able to talk, which I think is essential. Well, Kirsty, here's the thing. Um, you're introducing new information to each other, right? Yeah. And it comes from a trusted source. And you go, oh, if this person that I like and that I have history and experience and at bats with yeah. believes this, and they're not, I know them to not be a monster or craven or driving this terrible agenda, then maybe you soften your stance. And maybe when new information is introduced again, you go... I wonder how Kirsty would feel about that. Or I wonder yeah. how so-and-so would feel about that. Yeah, I right? mean, it was... Does that real... land? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. I, I mean, I was really honored that, like, we could actually have these conversations because it's... And I think that we both felt... We felt that. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I've been following your press because you've been pushing some of it out. And it's been really fun. And, you know, everyone keeps asking you what it was like to work with Terry Crews, who yeah. is like everyone's favorite, right? Because he's, oh, he's amazing. Oh, and rightly so. Rightly so. Yeah. Um, let, me ask, let me ask you a different question. Okay, sure. What was it like for Terry Crews to work with you? Terry Crews to work with me. Yeah. How do you think Terry Crews <laughs> felt about working with you? Because that's what I want to know. Because he gets the opportunity to work with the Kirstie oh, Bryant. Oh, you know, I don't know. It was great because I was able to give him some surprises because my character is wild and takes oh, a ride. And so I kind of prepared in a way so that I could give him some surprises. So nice. so that it's it's the gift you can give the actor you're with is if you can... Because the camera doesn't lie. So if you're actually like flabbergasted, <laughs> <laughs> like if you're actually like caught off guard... Like the character, I think is. I think it's very helpful and like fun. Yeah, so totally. my hope is that Terry Crews walked away being like, 
what was that? <laughs> and, you know, Terry was, again, so gracious. I cannot speak more highly of him. He didn't bring a cell phone to set. Nice. He was so present with us. He certainly has a few, like, extra things that come. There's a, like, a, you know, he, he everyone's aware he's so athletic. And so he's got, like, a very, uh, he's got a diet that he follows pretty strictly. But he was always willing to share the snacks that came. <laughs> nice. And he, like, has, like, certain, you know, drinks with him. And he was, like, we just all just sat and were able to chat. And he shared everything he had. And I, I couldn't speak. He just like vibed high and was so prepared oh cool so prepared so that calls all of us to account to be as prepared and gracious and my so i hope i gave him like some surprises good i mean that i'd I'd expect nothing less how long were you shooting that uh so we shot very quickly because terry cruz had to get back to america's got talent So they actually um, cut down our days. Oh, wow. Uh, and so the entire cast, the, the cast and the crew particularly, were put up against the wall to really achieve wow. like a full episode in like way limited amount of days. So that, that puts a lot, that puts a push on everybody. So you got to come correct then. Like, oh, you got to come like A game because there's no time. Yeah. There's no time. And also it's Walking Dead. So that means everything's done at night. so like everybody's kind of tired and the these um, this amazing crew in atlanta like they are the best in the world but boy they do they are working a lot at night because a lot of their shows like seem to be going all night long yeah well night is scarier it is scarier and also the woods of atlanta oh georgia the woods of georgia really because we were a little outside of atlanta but like i've never been to georgia it's it's really a beautiful place georgia has like kind of it's a different type of wood than you get in in uh it's the south it's got kind of like you know ground fog and we like i remember when i saw ground fog for the first time i was like what is that <laughs> what is that because in colorado we yeah. don't have ground fog like it's on no. the mount it's in the mountains and like for and you see it in the hills but you never see fog on the ground i'm always amazed when i go to places that are not dry the amount of undergrowth that happens in a forest oh yeah where you go what is this like all i know is like dead leaves and like dry pine needles and stuff mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes our state like a tinderbox so when I go somewhere and it's like this lush undergrowth, I go, where am I? What, what, what? Like, this yeah. is like the forest moon Endor. Yeah. I think, I think for ecologists, this is probably, the forests of Georgia probably got to be very fun. Because sure. it's really, like, verdant. Yeah. Is that the right word? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, it sounds right and it sounds good. So we'll go with it. And yeah. If it's incorrect, you know, I probably won't look it up. But <laughs> Let's go with it. I watched you in that, and I did not know what direction your character was going to take. I recognized your voice immediately in the voiceover yeah. at the beginning. And, I mean, that's that's got to be anyone who knows you. But, you know, right. it's not like Meryl Streep's voice or something, right? So, um, But I knew it right away, and I go, oh, that's that's sinister undertone. And I go, uh-oh. Like, and so when the story takes the turn that it does, I don't necessarily want to do spoilers. I mean, it's been out for a while. It's been out for a while. But it, it would be a super fun thing for your yeah. listeners to take the ride. So, yeah. When it takes the left turn that it does, yeah. I go, oh, man, I don't, I don't often see this side of Kirsty. No. And that was, I mean, have you gotten to exhibit that? Like, outside of maybe uh, when you did, what was that, True Believer? Um, True Believer was a one-woman show I did. Yeah, right. you know, there's a couple places that have kind of prepped me for 
some like left turns, yeah. but nothing quite like this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like this one was like wild. I mean, what a gift to to get that role too, right? Yeah, what a gift. And so also things I learned protect your voice because mm. you know horror when you're doing horror there's always going to be some at some point the woman is going to scream oh yeah the woman must scream <laughs> but that when you're like the, the name of when, a book. <laughs> when you're but when you're the performer and honestly i actually talked to a couple other folks that have done horror and they're like oh yeah no no you got it you got to plan better. So what I did, you know, I didn't, you have to look at your scenes and be like, okay, my screaming happens there, but I, I have to like give a whole monologue tomorrow. Like, ah. so that's, that's my uh, advice for anybody that is out there going to do like horror <laughs> films, like do the screaming last, like get all the talking in first and then get your screaming done. Wow. That's great advice too. Yeah. And <laughs> as someone who works with, with the voice all the yeah. time, I mean, you were texting me like earlier this summer when my voice was all fucked up. Oh yeah, and that was oh that was just a nightmare because like my voice, like my right. So I I have writing, I have my voice, and I have a great memory. These are like my superpowers. Um, as you pointed out to me, I hadn't considered my voice, and that made me feel so good for like a month after that. Yep. When I saw that you were doing this, um, and I saw you starting to do press, the the Walking Dead and the whole Walking Dead universe is like one of the last examples I think. Or, or one of the few remaining examples of kind of monoculture, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, because like everyone intersects with The Walking Dead at least a little bit. Maybe they watched it in the early going. Maybe they fell off. Maybe they came back for Fear the Walking Dead. Now there's Tales of the Walking Dead that are like these standalone stories that are really cool, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a thing where you get to tap into a zeitgeist, like previously inaccessible. And I'm wondering, is that kind of why Egg Party came back now? That's such a good question. So Egg Party was a film. It was my directorial debut. Oh, yeah, yeah. For um, anyone who doesn't on, yeah. know, yeah. So, talk so about Egg it. Party was my directorial debut that I did in 2020 on the verge of the pandemic. I co-wrote alongside a, a couple friends. And it's about six women that are um, mid-30s, late-30s, attending an egg decorating party. Like, they're they're coming together, like, in a... A, a Brooklyn apartment and it's not so sober but they're like all, right around Easter yeah like yeah. but the, but they're talking about you know sex and aging and and all sorts of things that I like literally can't I myself have trouble talking about so maybe that's why I have egg party do you talk really about it. yeah oh yeah no I get like bright in the face and I think I've used egg party as my like like shield to like be like yeah no we need to talk about this uh but so the but film that surprises yeah. me just because you and i tend to have a high level of candor with each other yeah and so to hear you say that i find that personally surprising just because we've always been able to connect like pretty easily yeah and so i i didn't know that i don't about think you. i'm alone with this and women i mean so what happens in the in the film and it is available online yeah. um which i hope everybody will check out and oh, it's, don't worry it there'll is, be a link to it it's yeah. a it's public so just it's intended to be viewed um uh and shared egg party actually so this this was it was row that brought this front and center because yeah. egg party was on its festival run it's been doing very well on the festival circuit it has had a number of audience awards and just kind of fits the bill for I think some festivals that really need like a woman's piece like you know, it's like like we kind of like fit the bill but people seem to respond to the film so when Roe happened 
in June, that the overturn, it became really suddenly more prescient than we ever intended it yeah. to be. And so when I started this press junket of what, what, Tales of the Walking Dead, Egg Party's release was already underfoot. Oh, really? Yeah, because of what had happened with okay. Roe. So, but it, it kind of... I've been utilizing some of it because we need to talk about it. And we, I need to get like, so it's like, if I'm here, uh, when I talk to the press people, I was like, look, there's no need to amplify another actor. Like, I love me, but like, like, there's just too much in the world to talk about. So I'm willing to go on a press junket. But these are concerns that I have. And so most of the journalists have been gracious enough to like, chime in and and like talk to me about it alongside like you know really the exciting stuff which is yes I've got some great stuff happening in my acting career which I've got a couple other films in their works and I've got an HBO show coming out sweet and um but all that to say Egg Party was really like Roe was the reason why we wanted to get it online publicly because we there's a distribution like plan you could have for a film like this but at the end of the day, who's going to pay 99 cents? Like what paywall right. is going to get the content to the people that need to see it most, which is honestly families that are dealing with maternal health, fertility, making choices about your own life. Like that's, yes. it's all, it's all there. So, so first of all, I have to say, I think it was the first festival you got into. Do you remember which one that was? Cinequest. Okay. Uh, that was during the pandemic. And you could pay to watch that, like, online. Yeah. Kristen and I did, and we watched it. Thank it was brilliant. you. Oh, God. Well, I, I just told <laughs> you, you I watched Drop to. Dead Gorgeous. I like, will say that website was not easy. So that means you really fought hard for yeah, us, and I, I really appreciate you. Of course. I figured it out. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have it any other way. But we watched it, and as a couple that experienced infertility, we wept, man. Like, yeah. it, it was a ride because it's funny it's like light. It has uh, an incredible visual palette and so like some unexpected pieces. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it is like such a beautiful character study of six unique, fully realized women that happens in, over the course of what, like 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, um, and and you, you feel like you know them by the end of it. And so it's wrenching when you get to the end and you go, God damn it. Like, I know exactly what that feels. And I'm getting a little misty right now just thinking about it. Just because God. I know how that felt. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. I mean, no. we have two. Be- we're fortunate enough to have two beautiful, healthy, wonderful little girls. But man, going yeah. through that will test you not only like how you view yourself, but it really tests your marriage too. It so, tests your marriage. Right. It tests. I, I again, I can't speak to it as a as. Right. So, egg party was born hatched of of a <laughs> of an actual like, an actual party I had attended, um, in which I was like, you know let's just say, you know, mid thirties, which is true. Uh-huh. But like I was, you know, going through a breakup and I had put in my calendar and I looked down while I was trying to find this place. It, I had said it had put in dying egg party, like spelled wrong, like not dying D Y E, but like, and I was like, 
Oh my like God, death. that is so, yeah, no, death, death, like, oh, and I was like, I was like, that is the bleakest thing, and I got, like, so I wandered into a room full of women dying eggs, and I was like, oh God, this is, this is bleak. <laughs> this is grim. This is grim. Like, all of us were like, you know, in our late 30s, and like, but the truth was, is that all these women were comedians, and they were talking about shit that I just couldn't talk about, so at that moment, like what? friends, like- they were talking about, like, aging, and, and what to do about you know, one was like a young mom. One was like freezing her eggs. You know, oh, like yeah, stuff yeah. stuff that I you know have had in like my mind. But like my friends and I don't necessarily talk openly about this stuff. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha. I was kind of a fly on the wall with a group of women that were just so brave to talk about these things. But at the same moment, and it wasn't you, but you weren't alone. I had a number of girlfriends that we're having really severe miscarriage. And so yeah. it, the idea of the story kind of came together. And what has been so interesting with the people that have experienced the film is so many of my friends, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. No, we I, don't talk about I this. didn't know. And when I, I was super cavalier about throwing the script around, like, because I wanted, like, you know, the best actors I knew and the best crew, like, women crew I could find. Yeah. And so I just was like, you, here, great movie, like throw it around. What I did not know is actually how many had been affected by this. Mm. And so uh, there's a number of people involved in the film that have experienced infertility, miscarriage, that I truly would have never known. And I don't even know that we fully ever spoke about it, except that they let me know. So in a sense, that like actors that, you know, just, it's just, this is difficult content and we handle it with humor, if you can believe it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the impact, I think, just like you said, you've got a beautiful family and for our characters in Egg Party, we don't know the outcome. And in a sense, we, none of us really know the outcome of our lives. And that's been the heartbreaking thing is when I, I'm in conversation with a yeah. lot of like the, a lot of the infertility community is that not everybody has a happy, quote-unquote, happy ending. That is something I carry. The truth of the matter is very complex when you're a woman seeking creativity in your body or your life, and you are hopeful to be a mother through pregnancy, and you are hitting a wall. I was speaking to someone today, and she gave a great example of, like, I'm the best student in the world, and I did everything right. Mm -hmm. And we didn't succeed and that's not a failure you know and no. yet it it's so weighs so heavy on a marriage like this is not alone like i mean oh, yeah. so i think i think i'm so ready to share egg party with the world and really because we've our our audiences have been limited to the festival circuit and to friends and we're hopefully going to reach a bigger audience and i mean that's that's what like one of the main reasons i wanted to have you in here because the movie meant so much to me just because you don't see stories like this all that frequently to your point we don't talk about these issues either so if you go on johnofalltrades.us my mm-hmm. website under the blog section i have a heading called our infertility story mm-hmm. and it's where i write about all the things that we went through so if you want to read a story about me masturbating there are at least three <laughs> on there. It's like because like you have to give sperm samples and stuff. Right, right, because they need to assess everything. Right, and right. so like, so by the way, 
On a personal note. Yeah, don't think <laughs> you're alone here in feeling like yeah. vulnerable. But I put that out there just because I'm like, look, this is true life, okay? Like, I can, I can dance around this issue or I can give you a clear picture of what it's like to go through this. Yeah. And my part, like, for as weird as that is, and for as weird as that is to say out loud, mm-hmm. what I had to do was not one-tenth as difficult as what Kristen went through. Right. You know, with like taking hormones and giving herself injections and having these invasive procedures, you know, like you get up on this table and you get in these stirrups and like I talk about what it's like to go through an IUI. Um, so intrauterine insemination, you know, we, I talk about the heartbreak of when it doesn't work because first of all, it's disappointing on an emotional level, but it's also expensive as shit. Yeah. You know? So like yeah. going through infertility costs a lot of money and it's also not covered by insurance. And a lot that's not available to so many families. Exactly. Yeah. And so the fact that, you know, you're using this opportunity, this kind of serendipitous confluence of events. Yes. To to elevate these <laughs> Total issues. Total serendipity. Well, well yeah. I mean, in terms of like Tales of the Walking Dead, providing yeah. uh, like a, a higher level platform than you might otherwise have to talk about this thing that you were going to roll out anyway. Yeah. I mean, that that is a beautiful, beautiful thing because... The, the thing I cannot square about the current conversation about reproductive rights is there's a party that talks about freedom and, you know, uh, no interference from the government, yet champions policies that are nothing but invasive in terms of people's lives and people's bodily autonomy. Yeah. And squaring that is, A, impossible, but, B, deeply frustrating to me. Yeah. And it's something that you articulate quite a bit. You know, I, I think abortion is a complicated issue. And and we've been struggling with it for a very long time because, you know, faith communities, families can't figure out what, like, what, how do we land on this? Like, how, where do, where do we land on this? And they, yeah. so then how, how do you make this, um, how do you legalize something or, or, or criminalize it or what, how, right, how do you, right. how do you make any kind of legislation around something that is so complicated that nobody can actually agree when life begins? Because, in a sense, that's when the government steps in because you've got two citizens. And that's what makes – what just shows that the entire system is a little patriarchal, little – let's uh, just say patriarchal. That, that a, a pregnant woman, there is no place within the current legal structure to – and with, or within our constitution to deal with this person because it's actually a very unique moment where – your constitutional rights are absolute, John. No matter what, the U.S. Constitution, of which all of our legal precedent flows, it's a very unique situation about the United States, right. it's that this is our core document. Your, as, a, as just, just being you, your rights are absolute. But if I was pregnant today, mm-hmm. my 14th Amendment rights would fall away because of the overturn of Roe, and I literally become persona non grata in the state of in the, in the eyes of the law possibly your state of whatever yeah, in, state in, in you're some inside, states much more than others yeah the state will step in and give you some legal support there mm-hmm. but in terms of the united states constitution how our current supreme court which is notoriously and rightly so considered conservative <laughs> overturned roe and they read the Constitution in a very specific way, and they say, well, I don't see abortion written in in the Constitution here. And the answer yeah. is, sure, sure, I can, I can look at that document and 
But if you look at the 14th Amendment due process clause that has been used wildly over the years and yet has given us a number of the rights that we all enjoy today, when it comes to women, it continues to be complicated. I'm going to say something controversial here, is when Roe happened, the next thing that happened was, and I am a huge LGBTQ rights person, mm-hmm. they sh- and they are rightly so, because the due process clause is why they achieved the Equal Rights, I'm sorry, the Equal uh, Marriage Act. Yeah. The next thing that happened is they everybody focused their attention on what would happen to the LGBTQ community. And they went ahead and passed a bunch of legislation that protected them. And yet I continue to sit here and say, but wait, but wait, where are our advocates right now? Because we literally have lost our constitutional rights. I'm of the mind now that the only way forward, yes, there's going to be a number of states and Colorado is one of them that have rushed the right to, um, and we can speak more clearly why this is such an important right, but like rush it to their their own constitution state constitutions they've they've like you know just mm-hmm. battened down the hatches to like protect the the women of their state but there are other states that did not do that and suddenly you yeah know, and in fact like double down double down lost you know women have lost all the rights that they have ever had and look people are going to have abortions for many reasons i am not here to judge what those reasons are but I would like to talk about maternal health and what happens. You have had now two pregnancies in your life. Weird shit happens. Oh, oh, God, yes. And women bleed. And suddenly, if you are in a state that yeah. you need to get health care and they cannot guarantee, they can't tell if you've attempted to terminate or what's, right. but you are literally bleeding and you cannot get the services you need, it truly boggles the mind that this is become such a like why why are we why are we even talking about this so the thing is women are just going to get hurt and it's already started it's already begun to that point so two things about that um one i i think you remember this but i coach boot camp for new dads that's amazing (laughs) which is a is a great thing most of that is centered around how do dads support new moms in the early stages of a baby's life, right? Mm. And and it's because men can do a lot of things, but we cannot give birth and we cannot breastfeed. And most women are going to at least attempt breastfeeding and achieve it with varying levels of success. So how do you support in that? And how do you support her health? Because her body is undergoing transformations that we will never, ever understand. I had a recent session where... One of the dads was talking about his wife said, you know, if if the decision comes down to me or the baby, save the baby. And so she said that. And that's like that's a conversation that they had. And I said, this is an uncomfortable conversation. But all you guys need to be having this conversation with your partners right now. Yeah. Like go and have that conversation because you don't want to be faced with that and you not could know lose your part. You could lose your wife, your girlfriend, whoever. Like right. you, you can lose or, or the mother, yeah. And so this other guy chimed in and he goes, it's funny, we had that exact same conversation, but she said, if it comes down to me or the baby, save me. You're, yeah. I'm the one you married. Like, we're creating this new person, but save me. Yeah. And 
I mean, I like that was my natural Could instinct too. Could you imagine too. you're the partner and you rush into a hospital and say like, save my partner, save the baby, and they won't because... Yeah, because there's a law in the books now that that takes that decision out of your hands. And that, to me, is unconscionable. Oh. Um, I don't understand why this, this party has layered you know down on this because i think kansas was a great example of the the libertarians coming forward being like y'all like step out like step out yeah you're out of line you're out of line this is ridiculous and and this you know and when you get right down to it that's what the majority of people kind of want too yeah yeah i believe that we need an equal rights amendment and there's a great history around that but long haul ahead of us to get that achieved because i want in the future whenever whatever the makeup of the court supreme court happens to be that wild you know moment of american history where we're it's supposed to be an apolitical body and yet here we are i want that to be so clearly written that there's something called an equal rights amendment that women's rights are actually very much part of the conversation. I 100% agree with you on that <laughs> because it's like that, that element of the conversation seems lacking. It, it's always like, I mean, this is like a joke on Twitter, right? When it's, yeah. when it's like um, you see people getting together to talk about uh, women's health decisions and it's a room full of dudes. Oh yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at here. It's like, can we just get a fucking seat at the table, please? Like to to, to right. and, and listen right. to our first person experience, like our lived experience, which seems divorced from our current political process, which I think is where so much of this frustration comes from. Mm. And you bringing up Kansas is an interesting point because that was put to the voters. To the voters. In one of the most conservative states in the country, at least from the outside looking in, and that's what it feels like sort of intuitively. Mm-hmm. And they voted this down and thoroughly. Yeah. Like they it voted it not just, not just down, but they voted it the fuck down. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay. So maybe, maybe we can change the conversation to be a little bit more reflective of our lived experience yeah i think you made a great point that Kristen had like a very you know she did all the hormonal stuff and the truth is is like if i asked you would you ever take a hormonal birth control to like protect to 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 protect yourself from pregnancy would would a man have we ever like attempted those conversations of the amount of responsibility we put on women regarding a pregnancy totally because at the end of the day you're such a stand-up dude that you are not going to walk away and yet there's so many women that get shouldered with children for 18 to 20 years and many are happy about it but also it is a burden oh god and all i'm asking then is if if you are pro-life and we can have that conversation, let's take that idea, extend it all the way, give me every parental leave, give me free health care, give me, you know, make it so pro-natalist that there is no reason why you wouldn't want a kid on this planet. Like, like, it's interesting, there's a number of governments around the world that have attempted... Russia is actually one of them. France uh, have attempted to 
make it easier to become a parent and you'd be like, is this encouraging people to have kids? The answer is they're not terribly effective because actually, regardless, it's tough to be a parent. It's, it's, it's a wholesale lifestyle change. And Kirsty, if this were real, I mean, no one gets pregnant alone, right? No. I mean, I, you, I suppose you could make the argument that you could go to a clinic and get some sperm and get I've had a couple of friends. I have had a couple of friends that had babies right, on their but own. Those, yeah. those people are clearly interested in being parents. They right? are making a choice. Like, yeah. Very much so. If you were serious about this, make child support payments start at the moment of conception. Oh, yeah. Right? That, that changes the calculus quite a bit because we're ignoring so much of the responsibility that comes on men here. Oh, yeah. And... It's largely because the people who are pushing this are craven jackasses. You can guarantee that their mistresses are finding somehow their way to New York State. Right. Give Yeah. No, you can guarantee it that they, are, they will find the, the abortion you know, needs that they And And if, they you're, if you're going to champion this ridiculous forced birth policy, the other member, the other contributor of the chromosomes really needs to be on the hook here. Yeah. Um, financially and in other ways too. I think we are going to, if let's take that idea because I think things would change so quickly if suddenly they're like, uh well wait wait a sec, like mm-hmm. my, my pocketbook. No bro, like yeah, you, for real man. For realsies now. Like we're all doing this. Um this is interesting. You know, I work as an actor, so I get auditions that are gonna be in any state like sure and so i had an audition for somewhere in alabama and i thought to myself do i want to work in alabama now Mm. because they kind of there are no protections for me there right and so i asked the theater and i said hey what is your statement of purpose for this or how are you protecting your you know female employees Mm. And there was no response. Yeah. And so I now I'm in a tough position where I go, would I ever work in Texas again? Would I ever, you know, Georgia's even like tiptoeing, like Georgia's got a ton of work available for me. But like, yeah. like this is tough because how, how do you, you know, do your politics? Like, yeah, yeah it's like unless unless like you're working with a corporation that has put forth like saying, hey, we have a policy in place. We don't agree with what's going on here. I don't know if I can work with you. Because we are we are at odds with how to protect people because yeah. people are going to get hurt. I, I, yes. I always say this whole policy has felt to me like dogs chasing cars. Well, they, <laughs> I mean, and the, and the, the dog. That's so good. The dog, yeah. the dog has now caught the car. It's like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Um, and basically all you're going to do is make this more unsafe and you are going to damage the people you purport to be helping. Yeah. And so to me, you can't end abortions. You can end safe abortions. And, yeah. And that's essentially what a lot of these policies are doing. And to me, it's just so counterintuitive and so anathema to where we're trying to be as a society. There is good data, great data, to show how to get abortion rates down. Like, there's great data. Let me tell you what doesn't work. Criminalizing abortions. Right. It doesn't work. It just literally pushes it, like, lower... And when people are scared, because when, when you are pregnant for whatever reason and you do not wish to be, the fear level is at a 10. I, and that means I cannot you're, imagine. That means you're going to make a choice that is unsafe. 
I hope that people will know what was available to them resource-wise, but what, who's going to be affected are the marginalized communities that don't have access. And, oh, John, it's a bummer. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll say this. I, like, I'll, I'll wrap this part of the conversation by yeah, saying... we could go for <laughs> I'm glad that you are using the platform of Egg Party to talk about these issues and also coinciding that with this incredible opportunity that you've had and that you crushed and hit out of the park on Tales of the Walking Dead. and That and, was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but you're, you're using it for good, which, you know, anytime anyone kind of puts their money where their mouth is too, I'm always deeply in admiration of that. Because, I mean, that's got to be a risk for you too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I've had followers drop away. And, you know, it's like I'm making I'm making a statement on where I where I personally sit in regards to this, which I think there could be good advice where you say you don't get political. Um, And as and but at this moment, I'm going to agree with our Jennifer Lawrence, who came out recently because she's the best, where if you're not political today, what are you doing? And I believe that we can work together. I think that we can listen to each other. But also, if there's something unjust underfoot, like, I believe so strongly in the United States of America. I'm not giving up here. No. I'm here. Well, and Kirsty, here's the other thing. This is, you know, you can choose not to get political. That in itself is a political choice. Yeah. And so, like, if we're not at least paying heed to that or at least putting ourselves out there, the choice to be derelict and the choice to go, mm. I don't care to weigh in on this. You are contributing to the overall status quo. And so that in itself is a political choice. People don't like to hear that. But I have a master's degree in rhetoric. so <laughs> It's so evident. You've got such good rhetoric. <laughs> so, But like understanding, it's like, okay, yeah, we don't have to be political all the time. But if the moment calls for choosing not to be political is a political choice, and it is for the dominant hegemony. That's all it is. Yes. When you are not choosing to acknowledge what's going on or choosing to be afraid and not step up for what you believe in, that is basically uh, a way for the status quo to continue unchallenged. Yes. That's, that's all that is. Yes, yes, so yes, 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 yes. You, you, may, you may lose some followers. <laughs> My opinion is, fuck them. I don't, it, it doesn't matter. Like in the in the grand no, scheme of things. No, what matters to me is marginalized women in states that right. are that are, can hear if they ever do hear my voice, say we're out here fighting for you. We're we're doing the best we can with the spheres in which we operate. Yeah, that's and that's the best largely anyone can do. And so I just wanted to say that you're doing a great job of using the platform and the privilege that you have to do what you can. Yeah. Let's keep the work up. So, okay. Now's the time of the show when we do plugs. Where can people find you? What uh, do you have coming up? Um, anything you mm-hmm. want to plug, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Insta and Twitter at Kirsty Danger. God, that's such a great handle. Man, but remember in high school, Danger was my middle name. Uh-huh. But now I'm like stuck with it. Like it's like it's like, it's like people are like, don't you want to use your full name, Kirsty Brian? And I was like, well, no, because now we're just stuck with it. You're gonna ride that horse yeah. right into the I'll ocean. Ride that horse into the ocean. So that's K E R S T I because I'm a baby of the '80s. My name ends in an I. Danger, Kirsty Danger. 
and plugging. Yeah. Oh, you know, so I've got a few really great. Well, acting. first of all, where can people yeah. find Egg Party? Let's do that. Oh, Egg Party will be easily found on our website, eggpartyfilm.com. Perfect. And I hope people will watch it and share, watch it and share, repeat. Like, honestly, awesome. we just we just want it to reach the audience that we th- we just want it to reach the audience it needs to reach. And upcoming acting-wise, I've got Perry Mason on HBO. I, I got a great recur on the new season that's coming out nice. in the winter. It's going to be really... I mean, it's HBO. Mm-hmm. So, guys, if it can be crazy from 1 to 10, you know HBO's going 10. Like, <laughs> I, I, every time I got the script, I was like, oh, he's got... Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, they went there!" Whoa! And honestly, I worked with some of the best actors on that. Um, my my new like way crush, his name is Paul Racy. Oh. Paul Racy, I think, is in his seventies now, and he just <laughs> he plays my father in law on this show. But he was in Sound of Metal. He got nominated oh, wow. for Sound of Metal. But he's Coda. He's, he's a child of deaf adults. So he actually speaks his second, I think his first language is sign language. But wow. he's, a hearing, he's a hearing actor. But sitting with him and hearing his stories was like <laughs> truly the highlight of like my amazing. career. And when you watch him, you'll be like, why haven't I seen him every day of my life? He's just hit it big now. Now. <laughs> it's like it's like a thrill to it's be It's never with, too late. It's never. It's never too late. So, but that show is going to be good. And then I've got two films coming out. One a great uh film called uh Rachel Hendricks with um I play the daughter of Lori Singer is the actor's name. She was in um Footloose if you remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> the beautiful blonde of Footloose, but she's I she's now in her 60s and just one so the film is about a widow and like kind of it's a it's a study on grief and I play the daughter that kind of like crashes around and you know tries to boss people around. <laughs> and then in July I just shot a new film which I think is going to be really weird and great. The director is Neil Berger, who did Limitless and The Illusionist. And I play the sister of um, Phoebe Denevor. She was just on Bridgerton, like really charming. Such a big fan of hers. But our dad is Reese Ifans. I don't know if you remember this actor. I know who that is. Spending a few days with these two was the greatest delight. But I'm not going to ruin this movie and how they made this movie but y'all, it's like nuts. So I'm I'm excited to see. I just got an email that they were telling me about the editing, and I was just like, "This is going to be wild." So we'll see how it goes. You know what the first thing I saw you in was? Hmm? It was Comedy of Errors at Golden. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Oh my god, my greatest work yet was in Comedy of Errors. My hair in that was like. Oh, a, it was yeah. You yeah. had like a whole beehive going, like a cone, a cone yeah, hair. It yeah, it was really something. Yeah, I was in that as uh, Doctor Pinch. Yes, you were. So. Yes, you were. Playing it as weird People as possible. People don't do that play often enough. All Shakespeare festivals should do comedy of errors more often. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard. You have to find actors that look like each other for, yeah. to, for it to really work. Yes. And also, you just have to have really good comic actors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, you are... <laughs> Sorry to chat your <laughs> ear off. Uh, you are an absolute delight and a ray of sunshine. And we talked about some heavy shit, but... Like, we did. The moment calls for it. And so yeah. I'm happy to, like, that's that's the whole thing with this show. Like, either 
elevate who you're talking to or pass the mic and get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Because like my life is not going to be fundamentally different as a result of the overturn of Roe, but I recognize so many people's will. Yeah. And so if I'm not talking about it, then like I said, the choice to not be political is in itself a political choice. Let me tell you whose lives have changed. Your daughter's. Ah. <laughs> your daughter's lives have changed. The life that I know, like the like like yeah. the, like this like when we made made egg made egg party, these women are talking as if they had the right to choose. Yeah. If I made Egg Party today, Egg Party is now a historical piece. <laughs> it's a piece of historical it's a, fiction. Yeah, it's a piece of historical fiction. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> Isn't person. that crazy? That's the, that's the moment we got to end on because holy shit, what a profound statement. Watch Egg Party. Watch Kirsty and everything that she's in. And Kirsty, you are a ray of sunshine. Nothing but continued success to you. Love you. And that'll do it for episode 337 of the John of All Trades podcast with Kirsty Bryan. God, I just adore her. I can talk to her for a month of Sundays straight. Follow her on everything. She gave you all the links. It'll be in the companion blog piece that's on johnofalltrades.us or in the show notes. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, wherever you get your pods, it'll be there in the show notes. While you're there, leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you. New episodes drop every other Wednesday now. Episode previews will be on Mondays. That's Facebook only. If you're following me on social, it's JLATPod on not only Facebook, but Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I do all manner of traditional communications outreach. So whether that's traditional PR or any of a bundle of other tactics, I can help you there. I'm also a podcast producer. I now have, count them, eight shows that I produce. So if you have an idea, I'll help you get it up and running. I can help you with any aspect of it. Just hit me up, J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Whether it's an email campaign, website building, social media marketing, online advertising, or any of a number of activities, 4Degrees can help you communicate the best online. Number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm out of here for this week. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode. Follow Happy Friday Denver. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.